So the Fed has reaffirmed that rates will rise very soon, although they didn't actually say precisely when. We'll look at the policy statement and the press conference, which is why we're a bit late this morning. Sorry about that. Plus, the Bank of Canada not lifting rates yet, but they will soon as well. The US widening trade deficit and what that means for their GDP numbers later today. And oil inventories are rising, but so is the price. Does that make sense? And inflation in New Zealand, how high will it go? And what does it mean for the RBNZ and the Kiwi dollar? It's Thursday, the 27th of January, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, stocks in the US were on the rise, but turned around since the Fed down 0.6% for the Dow, 0.7% lower for the S&P 500. The Nasdaq is just about holding its head above water, up 0.2%, but it was up over 2% earlier. Uh, they all pushed higher on the Fed announcement, but then they quickly retreated quite a lot, it seems. And 10-year Treasury yields are up six basis points, all of that since the FRMC statement. It seems to have settled now around 1.83, 1.84%, uh, give a, a, a a point or two. The US dollar has risen sharply, gaining 0.5% on the DXY, but most of that is since the FOMC as well. That's pushed the Aussie dollar uh, down 0.6%. The euro is down half a percent. The US dollar has uh, risen 0.5% on the Japanese yen. And oil, well, Brent was over $90 for most of the session. It's uh, fallen a little bit. We'll look at that in a bit. But first off, no surprise from the FOMC meeting this morning. A unanimous vote to keep rates on hold, but interest rates will start soon. Now, they didn't say in the statement, uh, I should say David Garris is with us from uh, from NAB in London. They didn't say, Dave, uh, exactly the month in the statement. Everyone was expecting March. But I think in the in the uh, press conference that followed, Jerome Powell uh, did say that March is the month they're looking at. Indeed, Phil. Uh, in the press conference, he was asked a question about uh, the balance sheet and use of the balance sheet and so forth. Quite a lot of interest in that, of course. Mm. Um, but yes, he did say, you know, in answer to, to a question that there are, you know, FMC members are of a mind to uh, to increase rates at March. I mean, I mean that's exactly how the the, the market and people would have interpreted soon, right? So, yep. um, and uh, you know, we got that sort of signal uh, back before Christmas. So. I think from that point of view, Phil, um, it's all been very well signal. We had the pivot from the Fed uh, and uh, since, you know, we've had the FOMC minutes and um, and the uh, the testimony that he gave and, and now it's panning out pretty much, I think, as the market's expected. There's still a bit of caution, though, isn't there? I mean, maybe that's why in the statement they didn't say much, because they want to look and see what the impact of Omicron is. Indeed. Is it, is it going to last Indeed. a bit? Is it a bit longer? So that's the, that's the unknown. Indeed. And he was yes. asked. He was asked about the speed of rate hikes as well, and yes. he was pretty evasive on that. Not possible to predict the path of the policy. Basically, yes. he said because there's too many uncertainties. But then, said the economy's strong and stronger than it was when they lifted rates in 2016. Of course, you know they didn't raise them for very long and very well, far, did they? In 2016. <laughs> I, I think what they know now, Phil, you know, and what what they know and what they don't know. What they know is that. Uh, policy is not set at the, at the current time for the state of the economy right now, where the economy is still pretty strong. Um, somebody asked him about, well, uh, are you worried that, you know, if you, if you increase rates, that's going to hit employment? And he spoke a lot about the strength of the labour market and the economy could absorb some some rate rises, mm. which is probably a, probably a fair judgment. But also feel that, you know, policy is going to be data-driven. They're not on a set course. Uh, when he said, you know, we need to, you know, show some humility 
and be and policy needs to be nimble. In other words, it's not going to be anything like a set and forget policy, but it's going to be driven by events, you know, how things evolve and how the economy uh, moves along over the course. And they're, they're still very much committed to their maximum employment, of course, and price stability targets. In fact, they reissued that longer-term statement on maximum employment and in, and inflation today because there has been a little bit of speculation in the market that they might be moving back to a more traditional full employment Nairo-type Phillips curve arrangement. But um, they're still very keen on the maximum employment that, you know, but it, it's obviously not something that's likely to be achieved this year but requires you know, stable inflation to get there. So they're certainly addressing that now. Now, you said there was there was quite a bit of interest in the in the balance sheet uh, and uh, winding that down because that's that's, yes. that's still uh, unknown, isn't it? And 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 I mean, clearly he doesn't know because he he said, "Well, we'll have more details at the next meeting." Uh, yes, but you know, uh, I mean, he was basically saying, "Well, we look, we understand interest rates and what they can do, but uh, we're a little yes. less a little less certain on what we we think the balance sheet <laughs> is going to do." Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, I think what we know at the moment is uh, initially at least uh, they're going to let that run down with um, with maturities, basically, let mm. them let them run off, you know, when, that, when they actually start that process. And it kept emphasising a few times, Phil, that interest rates are going to be the main tool. Yeah. And as you, and you, as you quite correctly say there, that um, – they don't have much experience with you know, um, uh, running down balance sheets. They've only had one previous episode of experience, so and it wasn't a great uh, success. They, yeah. Uh, well, you know <laughs> that's right. But the balance sheet's certainly a lot larger. And they, they did mm-hmm. mention in that separate statement they want to reduce the size of the balance sheet significantly, but over time. So, um, so there you go. Yeah. Anything else to take out from that? I mean, the response has been we've seen quite a big increase in bond yields since. We have. Um, he was asked about, um, you know, there's been a lot of interest, you know, what sort of stock market correction might cause them to rethink policy. Well, he reminded people that the way they think about that, Phil, is the impact on financial conditions overall and how that feeds through to the real economy. So they don't have in their mind that, you know, a 10 or a 15 or a 20% reduction in stocks is, is going to be suffi- more than sufficient or not sufficient enough for them to alter their course of monetary policy. But I guess it, 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 what matters more is what happens to the flow of credit? What happens to um, you know debt capital markets issuance? All those sorts of things. So if if that if the flows if the if the the wheels of the economy keep turning and the flow of finance keeps turning, um, I, I think they're not going to be overly perturbed by a stock market that's been reaching multiple records in yes. recent times. Just a bit of a correction happening. It's going to be interesting, Indeed. though, isn't it? And uh, not really for discussion today. We've got too much to discuss. But it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, the juxtaposition between the, the, the share market in the United States and, uh, for example, in in, uh, in Hong Kong and China, given that they've got the complete opposite policy. And it's, uh, it's the- interesting, too. It's just quickly interesting, too, that as we speak, the share market's in, gone into the red right mm. now. Yeah. But, you know, Powell's saying, well, they don't know how far they're going to have to increase interest rates at this stage now. And the market said, well, 
bond yields can be higher. So does that mean the Fed is going to be less attentive to inflation or more tentative? I don't think we can make judgments about that right now. But um, mm. there you go. Bank of Canada, uh, same story, no change on interest rates. They may do something soon uh, because they reckon too that the economy has fully recovered from the pandemic. Uh, so March the 2nd is their next meeting. So that's when yes. their rates will go up, presumably. This, this ends our emergency policy setting and signals that interest rates will now be on a rising path. That's what Tith Macklem, the uh, head of the Bank of Canada, said. That's pretty definitive, isn't it? It was definitive and all the words and the press conference, you could have easily included that with a with a meeting that actually decided to increase interest rates rather than holding them steady. Mm. And he was asked at the press conference, you know, why didn't they increase rates given all their concerns about capacity pressures and so forth? Um, and, and the Bank of Canada was... Uh, you know, listeners might remember the Bank of Canada was pretty early on has been quite bullish about the Canadian economy, yeah. you know, during the days of the Delta variant, uh, if we remember back that far. Um, and um, the market was split on whether they were going to increase rates today. The statement was, I guess you'd have to describe it as a very hawkish hold. So I don't think the market's overly <laughs> convinced or why they didn't increase rates today, but you've got to have to think that it's going to be soon. And that meeting will actually be uh, before the Fed by, by a fortnight. Well, just on that, I mean, why is the Fed still buying up bonds? I know they're going to stop in March, but why didn't they stop now? That is sort of like, I mean, I had, I had <laughs> well, someone giving the comparison. It's like you see a red light, it's straight ahead, and you think I'm going to stop for that red light, but mean, meanwhile, I'm going to keep on accelerating towards it. They might say that, you know, the, the previous expectations that they're going to stop buying bonds mid-March, mm. uh, now he's saying by early March. In other words... <laughs> That, that's saying that's laying so they don't get any sort of potential clash come the 16th of March meeting that they're still buying bonds and um, pushing and they're increasing rates. Yeah. But why not, you know, why not stop now? But anyway, uh, so something interesting happening with oil as well, isn't there? For, for, for a couple of uh, weeks when in- inventories in the US were expected to go down, they've actually gone up by half a million barrels last time. Uh, and the figure out overnight la- for last week was up 2.4 million barrels instead of the expected mm. 0.7 million. Mm million barrel decline so it's just not getting used up and we've got imports down in the united states as well so you'd be thinking prices would be falling but no we've got this big increase two and a half percent increase in wti it's up to 88 dollars brent is over 90 dollars mm. a barrel now mm. so we are rushing mm. towards that 100 dollar oil aren't we seems so um you know the the, um, the market has tested over 90 dollars a barrel uh, right now it's what 89 dollars 39 so it's mm. come off a little bit but um it's been one-way traffic today and as you said there, the, the weekly crude inventory numbers, and, and as we've discussed in the past, the market sometimes does. It's not unusual to react to that number, but it's been on a it's been on a one way ticket higher, hasn't it today? So um, yes, ninety dollars was 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 eyeing ninety. Um, it's a little bit below that now, but um, you know, it's that perfect storm continues. It does, and obviously, you know, a war in Eastern Europe is is not going to help in terms of keeping Indeed. that price contained. And, you know, that situation isn't easy. Basically, the uh, the U.S. has rejected the Kremlin's demands, which is that, you know, Ukraine shouldn't be invited to to join NATO. So 
what could get messy there, and we haven't really got time to just talk too much about it, but is if Russia starts arming separatists in the Ukraine, which, you know, to try and incite some sort of civil war, which is, of course, pretty much what their approach was last time. I'm not quite sure how the world's going to react to that. But also on oil, we've got OPEC Plus. They're going to meet, of course, uh, and decide whether they should unwind their cuts, which could see 400,000 barrels added per day. So you'd think that could mm. bring the price down. So but oil is being pulled in two directions, basically. If, if they're able to actually supply more oil, I guess that's the thing, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. That's, that has been a problem. Uh, New Zealand inflation numbers, they're out actually very soon because we're a bit, like, a bit late this morning. Uh, 4.9% was the annual rate last time. These are the Q4 yes. figures, uh, possibly out by the time you're listening to this. 5.7% uh, is the expected figure. It could break 6% because nobody is immune to this inflation, are they? And the uh, no, the no. Kiwi dollar has lost almost 2% so far this year. So uh, what what could happen if we see rising you know, inflation higher than expected? And, and what would be the RBNZ? Well, the RBNZ, of course, has increased rates twice already. So they're quite early on in that process in increasing rates. And they've been quite hawkish. uh, And the market has has embraced that hawkish view uh, at the short end of the yield curve. So I think the market is priced uh, for for a pretty, uh, as you said, you know, for that inflation rate to jump up to, what, 5.7, 5.8%. And... um, you know, it could get a little bit higher before it before it hits hits its peak. So, will that be will that be a surprise? Well, if it if it is it is in a you know a materially higher figure, and underlying inflation picks up more than they than the RBNZ expects, well, it's only going to reinforce that view, isn't it? There's a lot priced in. Um, what the the, the rates uh, in New Zealand now expected to be. Two percent plus by the end of this year. So um, going at every meetings is what the market is priced in now. So it's pretty richly priced right now, Phil. Could well work. It could be an interesting litmus test if they keep on push, pushing uh, their interest rates up and inflation keeps on growing because it's a it's supply driven. Not sure what that means for the rest of the world, but um, <laughs> yes, it will. It will. You know, expect if uh, if they push rates up to two. Uh, then we'll, 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 we'll always see the sort of effects on the interest-sensitive sectors of the economy, such as you know, consumption and housing and those sorts of sectors, and will affect business investment and so forth. So, as you say, an interesting litmus test. It will. And look, on GDP numbers uh, for uh, Q4 for the US tonight, again, you know, you'd expect, if the idea is that we need to control the economy, that those numbers are going to come down over time if we're trying to take the supposed heat out of it. Uh, but look, we had this uh, widening uh, deficit for the United States in December, didn't we? Uh, we so did. That's we did. Gonna, that's going to whatever it is, it's going to feed through that GDP number today. It will, but we also had higher inventories. So mm. uh, technically, uh, you know, that, that that have been produced but not sold for a change. So inventories have actually gone up rather than down. Um, it does add technically a bit to growth. I think the key there is going to be. What's your view of consumption and the economy beyond Omicron? And as we heard from Powell during the press conference, I think uh, they're, they're quite positive on that. Otherwise, they wouldn't be increasing rates at this point indeed. And I think the markets have the same view. And certainly, if all prices are any guide as to things like travel demand, then um, it's pretty clear. But it won't be, I mean, it, like five, we're not going to be 5% plus for long, are we? I mean, we're, we're going to get back at some point to where we were pre- Oh, of course. 
Of course, pre- and uh, but but you know we might have U.S. economy might take a little bit of a hit in the uh, in the in the current quarter before mm. things come back again, but um, which means that the data is still catching up to um, you know uh, beyond Omicron at this stage. I mean, uh, yep. UK has only just released, you know, uh, we're only just out of Plan B now, so uh, here we are in late January. So look, it's we've kind of, yeah, exactly. Plenty of so many moving parts to all of this, aren't there? We get the uh, PC deflation number as well for the United States today, plus durable goods orders and those weekly initial jobless claims numbers, which will be interesting. They've been rising a bit this year, uh, so lots to look out for and for us to talk about tomorrow. But for now, uh, good to talk. Thanks, Dave. Good on you, Phil. Cheers. And that's it for this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow. See you then.